As a young teen, Mary became a follower of Jesus after reading Focus on the Family's Brio magazine. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't have that. I'd really like to know what that's about. And so it was, it was an inward decision right there that I made in my room after reading you know, this article in the Brio magazine that I want to have that kind of walk with God that this girl is talking about. For 30 years, we've helped Mary grow in her faith. We've strengthened her marriage, and now we're equipping her to be a good mom to her own kids. Like really Focus on the Family has been, and all the, the different resources and individuals, the voices of Focus on the Family, it's really been a mentor to me, to my family, um, and just it's cool to see the legacy. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Mary's every month. Please call 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. How hard are you willing to work for your marriage? Now, that's an important question for you to think about and answer honestly, especially if things aren't going well for you and your spouse. It seems that uh, far too many couples are just giving up. They're not willing to stay in the game and really put in the effort. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Aaron Smalley, who are in charge of our marriage department here at Focus on the Family. And we've been reviewing a conversation the last few episodes that Jim Daly and I had with Leslie Vernick. Uh, last time she described certain gifts that we can give our spouse, like acceptance, truth, and kindness. And here she is with more insight. Leslie, there are several others, but let's uh, talk about consequences. And then I'd like to encourage you to get a copy of the book because there are more gifts uh, that we're just not going to be able to get to today. Uh, Leslie, what about consequences? The gift of consequences has to be a very specific, well-thought-out gift because it can feel like punishment or it can feel like retaliation if you don't have the right spirit about it. I don't think my kids would see that as a gift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just... well, most people don't see it as a gift, <laughs> right. but it can be a tremendous gift because it's pain. Right? It's pain. And pain functions as a wake-up call. If you put your hand on a hot stove and you didn't have pain receptors in your hand and you just left your hand on the hot stove, your hand would be damaged, right? So pain helps you to pull your hand back and take it away so that you don't continue to damage your tissues. In the same way, consequences for very destructive behavior in a marriage can help a person wake up. And so the consequences of someone who's um, been abusive might be that they spend a night in jail. It might be that you have to have a PFA against them. And that can be a gift of love to say, your behavior is so destructive to our marriage, to our family life, that I will not continue to pretend that this doesn't matter. In fact, what you're doing is so wrong, it's against the law. There's a consequence for it. And so by not enabling, by letting him experience the consequences, the Lord says, what you sow, you reap. And when someone reaps thorns and thistles because they've sowed bad seed, that begins to help them to see, oh, I don't want to live this way anymore. I need to make some changes. So it can be an incredible gift when it's done in the right way with the right attitude. Uh, that example is dramatic. What about a an example where it's verbal abuse, where let's just say the husband, uh, that's his style, his personality. He fights back with words. And... Okay, this is an example I use in this book. As um, a woman, was her husband did that, and she said, you know, your words are so hurtful to me, and I have such a hard time forgiving you, and I struggle with bitterness for days because of the way you treated me. From now on, when you start getting worked up, I'm going to go to a hotel for the night. 
And she just left the house. She had already pre-planned this, packed her bags, made sure. And after about a couple episodes of that, when she just left, and he had no one to yell at but the walls, and he got the credit card bills for $150 for the hotel bills, he began to take some responsibility of, I don't need to act this way anymore. I've got to start changing because I'm not yelling to anybody who's going to listen. And she's exiting the relationship. The consequence of your behavior is I'm not going to sit and listen to you this way. Now, that's amazing. Is that what you find in your counseling practice? Is that typical where it's that almost easy? I mean, where we can uh, shift someone's behavior uh, with that kind of action? Not always, but in many times it does take some action. Let me just give you one other illustration. And a very benign thing, a husband would not pick up his laundry. No matter how much she told him <laughs> that she couldn't stand the wash all over the place. She was, you know, nagging him. She was criticizing him. She was making fun of him. She was screaming, you know, throwing a bit over something minor. But for her, it was a major thing. So how do you act right when your spouse acts wrong? So she decided to give him the gift of consequences. And this is what she said. You know, John, I'm really tired of nagging you and yelling about this. In fact, I've been really sinning against you by doing this. And so her husband would go, well, yeah, you're right. You know, you've been sinning against me doing this. And, and I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to become a nagging shrew that just is screaming all the time. And so I'm going to tell you what, I'm doing wash on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If your wash ends up in the hamper, it'll get washed. If it doesn't, you'll have to take care of it yourself. That's good. That was a gift of consequence. Mm-hmm. You feeling guilty, John? No, Here not at all. I do my own <laughs> laundry, as a matter of fact. I have a pile that. system. It drives Jean crazy. <laughs> so when I get home, I'll put some shorts on and you know, I'll wear them for the evening, especially in the hot months. And then I'll you know, set them in the only worn once pile. And then tomorrow so night when I get home, I yeah. can put those shorts back on and my T-shirt and go do whatever I'm going to do, mow the lawn or whatever. And, you know, then I'll eventually get them to – but it drives Jean nuts. Mm-hmm. It's probably reasonable that it drives her nuts, huh, to have two or three piles in the bedroom. So she could give you the gift of acceptance and just accept that you've got piles and that's part of you. Or she can say, you know what, I'm going to put the piles in a box you know, in the other room and I don't want to look at them. I mm-hmm. think I'm going to go – that's the change that's impacting me today. That's what I'm going to go away with. I'm going to help Jean. Well, you know that, that this is the program Jean will listen to. <laughs> of course. So Over when you coffee. get home, it's dealt with. Hey, Jim, I really liked what you said today. I'll autograph a book for her. <laughs> Leslie, your comments, uh, they've been very provocative in a great way. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it stirs the heart. Um, it, when I tr- have traveled overseas, one of the things that I have found in countries that are very harsh on Christianity, those people that I have encountered have said to me, uh, you know, we pray for America. And I say, why? And they'll say, well, because you seem weak in the faith. And here they are being uh, twisted and tormented and uh, persecuted. Mm-hmm. And there's something deep and rich in their uh, relationship with the Lord. And yet we get back here, there's something superficial. And what I love about what you're saying, it certainly plays out in marriage, but it plays out in everything that we do, that our faith is not superficial that we've got to get ourselves out of the way so that the Lord can shine through us. And many of us in America have lost sight of the big picture. We you know, have. we're living for the temporal, we're living for our cushy, comfort, you know, pleasurable life. And when it's not that way, we'll do whatever we need to do to make it back that way versus saying, what are you up to, God, and what's the bigger picture? And our broken marriages are a symptom of that attitude, mm-hmm. but it's playing out in every way. And this is tough medicine. Yeah. Uh, we won't get people writing saying, oh, right on. It's like your book sales at your table. They're going to buy the happiness books, but not the 
how do I discipline myself under the Lord books? And so I think one of the things that we can do in preparing for that is to really help people look out of life through glasses with two lenses. You know, you have bifocals or single lens, but but this is a long-range lens and this is a short-term lens. And I think so often we have the short-term lenses in both eyes. And so, ouch, this hurts. I don't like this. Let me out of here. And when we have the long-term lens in place and we say, how am I going to handle this for the glory of God? I'm in a war or I'm in a, in a game right now and it's a critical point and we're losing. But if I know the outcome, if I know my team wins, if I know, you know, the bigger picture here, I can persevere. I might have different strategy if I know the bigger picture. And I might have uh, an ability to persevere longer than if I just think, I can't take this. This is the moment and I got to get out of here. And so I think it's really important that we help people have a vision for the bigger purpose of their life versus just have comfort, pleasure, and, and a happy existence. I appreciate Leslie's um, emphasis on the big picture and kind of getting out of the circumstances and seeing uh, what God might do in the relationship. And uh, Greg, let's go ahead and dig in a little bit more on that long-term lens, that bigger picture that Leslie's addressing. How can that keep us stronger as a couple today? Yeah, when when I thought of that concept, that that long-term lens, um, this is may even sound ridiculous, but honestly, the first thing that popped in my mind was I remember this research that was done to where they were looking at it. What was the difference between couples who had made it a long time together and maybe couples that divorced only after a short number of years? And you know what they found? Couples that invested in major appliances <laughs> were more likely to stay together. Okay. It, and when I heard that, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, Aaron, you kind of <laughs> chuckled there. It is yeah, like, a little what? bit crazy. But think about it. When when a couple purchases together a long-term appliance, a, a, a refrigerator, a washing machine, a dryer, those kinds of things, what they're doing is assuming that they're going to be together and going to be using this thing for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. I, it's, just, it's one of those little crazy little stats that yeah. that I've never forgotten but for me it really emphasizes this idea of commitment and and I I am constantly reminding Erin not because she's insecure but I just I want her to know but especially I want to say this in front of my kids cuz I I say this to everybody now you guys know right that I'm in it with your mom till the end and and they hear me say that and they'll kind of roll their eyes but but part of the legacy though I want to leave my kids is that they know that their mom and dad, that they're committed till the yeah. end, that till one of them goes home to be with the Lord, they're going to be together. And, and what's interesting, that that's really a second generation thing, because when I was growing up, my father gave my mom for Christmas one time. She unwrapped it and kind of held it and just had this look like, seriously? And we all looked and went, well, that seems like the most lame Christmas present. It was a plaque. <laughs> and so, you know, we're thinking jewelry, a new outfit, and he it's gives a her wall a plaque. plaque. And, and that plaque hung in our entryway for, you know, ever until my dad went to, to be with the Lord. But it, it said this is a commitment um, to Norma, to Greg, Carrie, and Michael of my lifelong love in in support of of you. And and really all it was saying was the same thing. Like I'm with you till the end. And so 
that that long-term lens I think begins with this firm belief commitment of we're in this till the end. Yeah. And and I think that creates such a safe um firm foundation that we can then build on. I am not so artful as you or your dad. I just tell Dina you're stuck with me. <laughs> stuck with me. <laughs> that is one way to look at it. Yeah, I don't want to yeah. see Sorry, that. But you're stuck with mediocrity. Yeah. But... You know, it's interesting. I've been noticing with the couples that I work with that it seems when things get real intense emotionally that they throw their hands up and they go, well, let's just get divorced. Let's just be done with this. And I didn't know what to call that, but I see this pattern of it. And I just re- was reading this cognitive behavioral therapy book last week, and I came across what to call it. Because we all do. Yeah. I mean, the, the light reading. <laughs> you know, yeah. But it, it, they're called give up thoughts. That mm. in the midst of intense emotion that we throw our hands up and go, well, just forget it then. Yeah. But what they went on to talk about was, well, I inserted this part. <laughs> we've got to name what we're feeling because we've got to get out of that emotional state. We're in our amygdala. Mm-hmm. And so our amygdala is this highly emotional place. And so just by saying, I'm feeling really fearful right now. I'm feeling really dishonored right now. I'm feeling whatever it is, taken advantage of, disrespected, that will take you to a more rational part of your brain. But then we can start battling the give up thought with facts Mm -hmm. and what's true here. And if you don't know what's true about you or your spouse or the marriage, ask God because he is our source of truth and he is faithful in that. That is always good advice. You know, pause and just push pause, uh, let the situation kind of calm down and ask your Heavenly Father, where am I? What's going on here? Well, I'm sure that our episode today has revealed some pain or maybe some challenges that you've experienced in your marriage. If you're in a hard spot right now, contact us. We have Christian counselors here. They care. They'll hear you out. They'll recommend some resources. And uh, if you need, they'll have a referral for somebody nearby that you can engage in an ongoing counseling relationship. We also have Leslie's book, How to Act Right When Your Spouse Acts Wrong. We'll send that out as our gift to you when you make a generous donation of any amount to focus on the family today. All the details are in the episode notes. And then finally, please remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this content. Your feedback helps us address um, topics of interest that you might have, and it tells others about the value of these conversations. Thanks for doing that in advance, by the way. I'm John Fuller, and on behalf of the Smallies and the entire team, thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.